Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Our topic today is something that touches literally our lives every single single day and that's cleaning products. Today we're going to be talking about a brand new sustainability report that has just been published by the American Cleaning Institute. This is a trade association made up of some of the biggest names involved in creating cleaning products. You're going to recognize some of these names like Amway, Procter and Gamble, SC Johnson, 7th Generation and many more. And today we're going to be joined by the American Cleaning Institute or ACI. Uh, Their VP of Sustainability Initiatives, Brian Sansony, he's based in D.C., and he's going to be talking to us about this report and how unique it is. Oftentimes, we see companies that um, create their own sustainability reports, but this one covers the entire industry, and they've had some really interesting findings, and I'm really excited to talk to Brian about that. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Brian. So glad to have you on the show. Jill, it's great to be here. We're, we're, we're so pleased to be with you and uh, talking with your listeners about our, our third sustainability report for the cleaning products industry. Well, and this is really exciting. Really, yeah, really exciting. Is. You know, before we, dive in, before we dive into your sustainability report and this new industry-wide materiality assessment, tell our listeners about ACI. What does the organization do and who's involved? Right. As you mentioned, we are the trade association for the cleaning products industry in the U.S. Uh, We do um, research, education, outreach, advocacy, and sustainability work for the companies who make the cleaning products, as well as those who supply the ingredients uh, that make the products work and the packaging that holds everything together. We've been around since 1926, and so we offer many free educational resources for consumers educators on the safe, beneficial, and proper use of cleaning products. And as we've talked about, uh, we produce reports showcasing the sustainability work of our industry, which uh, everyone can find at cleaninginstitute.org. Well, and I love this idea of doing a materiality assessment for the industry, but uh, before we talk about what you guys found and what that materiality assessment uh, uncovered about the industry, for those of our listeners who may not know what a materiality assessment is, can you help us understand that term? Sure. I mean, and and it is a bit of a a bulky term, but it's really come into prominence among uh, uh, corporations over over the last few years. What it really is, it's a a critical issue assessment. It's an in-depth exercise that typically companies do, and any corporations will do, to make sure that they're paying attention to the right issues, the most critical issues that can uh, affect their business. Uh, it's what's, we like say, m- most material or, or relevant. And, and so it's typically done among uh, companies, but now uh, we felt, as our sustainability reporting has evolved, 
uh, and the feedback we've received over the years, I mean, we thought it was important to really take a deep dive to make sure as, as an industry organization representing the interests of the industry, to make sure we were paying attention on behalf of our member companies. We're paying attention to the right issues. Um, and so that's why we're one of the first industry organizations to conduct such an assessment uh, for any industry sector and certainly the first one for, for our supply chain. Well, and I love that because it's such a smart approach. Sometimes, and this was the, the truth for many years leading up to some of the more sophisticated sustainability reports we're seeing now, um, you know, we, we saw people kind of playing whack-a-mole with sustainability issues. Should we go with water? Should we go with energy? Should we go with recycling? And to do a materiality assessment really helps you, like you said, hone in on what is most important, what is most critical for the products that you produce. And so I think that's really, really smart. Joining us on the line right now, too, is Alec Logger. He is a director of strategic services for a company called Framework. And Framework was uh, partnered with ACI and helped to create the sustainability report and uh, helped to do the materiality assessment. Uh, Welcome to Go Green Radio, Alec. Glad to have you on. Yeah, technical difficulty there, but happy to be here. (laughs) Great. Well, now tell us exactly how it is that you were involved in the materiality assessment for ACI. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, uh, Framework is a, is a management consultancy does, that does a lot of this type of work um, around environmental, social, and governance issues, their assessment, um, their management, reporting on those issues. And materiality assessment is um, one of the core services that we've been offering since around 2005. Um, and so, our relationship with ACI began when they approached us about the possibility of conducting um, a materiality assessment at the industry level, which historically was not something that we had um, ever been able to do. We typically had done materiality assessments at a company-specific level, and uh, so the ask was to design and implement a materiality process that could be used to assess an entire industry, in this case the cleaning industry, um, on a broad range of ESG issues from both internal uh, perspectives and external stakeholder perspectives, and uh, that's ultimately what we did in collaboration with uh, Brian's team and a number of ACI member companies. Fantastic. And Alec, I guess it's pretty straightforward to survey the companies who are members of ACI and determine the issues that are most material or most important to them. But how did you glean that same information from external stakeholders? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This really gets at the heart of what made ACI's assessment unique. Um, So I'll start with a short answer and then I'll unpack (laughs) it a little bit. Um, So the short answer is that we scoured and analyzed reports standards, position papers, and many other source documents representing the views of key stakeholder groups at each of the cleaning industry's value chain stages. And so to unpack that a little bit, um, in a typical materiality assessment, the stakeholder-focused side of the process starts with finding the right categories of stakeholders whose views should be reflected in the analysis. And broadly, those, broadly speaking, those fall into big buckets like you know, investors, regulators, customers, employees, NGOs, standard setters, and so forth. And from there, it's a matter of identifying the specific stakeholder groups within those categories um, that are most relevant to the organization in question, um, and then either engaging them directly or capturing their views and priorities through proxy materials, which is the approach that ACI took, giving the breadth of uh, this assessment. So, for instance, we might look at an investor with large holdings in a particular company and say, hey, what's their view of this organization? What do their analyst reports call out as the major risks and opportunities that the company is facing? 
or looking at in the employee category, we can assess employee feedback channels and surveys to get a view into what employees collectively believe the organization is doing well and what its shortcomings are. So going through this process isn't terribly complicated at a single company in the single company context, but for an entire industry, um, we're looking at a multitude of organizations, a multitude of industries within the industry, really. And then the challenge becomes, how can we meaningfully contextualize and represent the views of diverse groupings of companies, as well as their stakeholders, and synthesize all that information that a way, in a way that represents the cleaning industry specifically? Um, <clears throat> and so the way that we did that was by drawing out the cleaning industry value chain, for starters. So everything from raw material production to chemical production, refinement, uh, logistics, the formulation of cleaning products, and then finally, use and end of life of cleaning products. And so rather than trying to find a single set of stakeholders whose views represented the cleaning industry as a whole, we delved much deeper and explored the views of each stakeholder group at each of those cleaning industry value chain stages, and in some cases even sub-stages. And something like raw material production uh, ranges from petroleum products to animal fats to flowers and so forth in the cleaning industry. So essentially there were 10 discrete stakeholder analyses um, that fed into the overall assessment and those map back to some of ACI's or the cleaning industry's core value chain stages. Mm -hmm. There was one external stakeholder group that I found absent from any lists of external stakeholder groups. I happen to be a part of that stakeholder group and that's Moms of America. (laughs) We buy a lot of cleaning products. Uh, How do you incorporate consumer attitudes into a materiality assessment? I mean, we want it to work, we want it to clean, we want it to be affordable, and we don't want it to wreck the environment that we'll be leaving our children. How do you account for that in a materiality assessment? Absolutely. Uh, Consumers are an absolutely essential uh, stakeholder group for the cleaning industry. And uh, just to clarify, there were nine different stakeholder groups that were assessed in ACI's materiality analysis. And consumers fell onto, into the broader customers category. And the reason for that is that in the cleaning industry value chain, um, each stage has a different type of customer. In some cases, it's more B2C. We're talking about corporate customers. In other cases, mm-hmm. um, such as with the formulators and at the use and end of life stage of the cleaning industry value chain, that's where consumers really come into play and come into focus. And what's interesting about the use and end of life stage of a, of a cleaning product is that the players at that stage are individuals. They're not necessarily companies or organizations. So we have to use proxy sources to reflect the views of consumers. And in this case, specifically, we collected feedback from consumer-facing companies within ACI's uh, value chain and um, asked them questions about the key issues that their consumer bases have raised. And we also incorporated cleaning product ratings and criteria from NGOs uh, that cover that sort of thing, so Good Guide, Environmental Working Group, um, all reflective of consumers' top safety, health, and environmental concerns. Well, I would say, Alec, I mean, I have a lot of respect for some of those NGOs, but they have an agenda that may or may not um, indicate consumer uh, what consumers follow. Um, you know, there are a lot of consumers out there who have never heard of Good Guide, which is a, a shame because they have some great information. And so, you know, while I think those are perfectly valid sources of information, they may not be the leading edge source of information. There are a lot of marketing firms that assess consumers more directly um, and have uh, some ideas of even, you know, there's a huge percentage of consumers out there that are 
are more influenced by mommy vloggers than good guide, um, whether that's for the good or for bad. Um, that's just my two cents worth for the next materiality assessment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll have much, much more with Brian and Alec. We'll be talking about how green is your cleaning product uh, regimen in your house and in your school and in your office building. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Up Close with Chris Tinney is now on Voice America Variety. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Chris brings you the thought leaders, activists, and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment, doing business in a new way, and helping the underprivileged. Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you could all join us, and I'm so happy that our guests today could join us. In case you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are the VP of Sustainability Initiatives for the American Cleaning Institute, Brian Sansoni, and Alec Logger, who's a Director of Strategic Services for Framework, LLC. They're a company that worked with ACI to create not just a sustainability report, but a materiality assessment for the entire cleaning industry. And it's a really um, innovative, it's a one-of-a-kind, first-in-its-kind, industry-wide materiality assessment. So it's very unique, and I'm really excited to be talking with them about that. Brian, there were 10 top issues that were identified both by internal and external stakeholders 
sector groups. Um, and these issues were the most critical that came out of the report. And I'd like to talk about the first two of these issues. The first one is materials. And the second one is disclosure and transparency. What were some of the similarities and differences in the way that internal and external stakeholders viewed these issues? Well, we knew as, as we uh, undertook this, um, I would say, uh, complex uh, set of, of different issues that, uh, you know, there wouldn't be, you know, unanimity on, on anything like that. But what, when we saw these, these issues come up, uh, when, we say, when we talk about materials, we're really talking about the safety of uh, chemical ingredients, so raw material sourcing and, and scarcity. And, and also the disclosure and transparency, which is, you know, public disclosure of information related to sustainability governments and products, what's in the ingredients. So um, we weren't uh, surprised that, that, this, that these issues came out on top B because um, these are issues we deal with regularly uh, throughout our industry, uh, the governance issues we deal with, and environmental and sustainability issues, and our individual companies, you know, the regulations that they uh, have to comply with, and the individual reporting that they do. So, um, in, in a way, it's, it's good that there weren't surprises here. Our initial indications are that uh, we are paying attention uh, to, to the right issues. Now, you know, what we want to do, Jill, is, is really focus on uh, you know, go in depth, take a deeper dive into this analysis as we talk with our members and other stakeholders and getting very specific feedback to the findings here. So um, the, 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 all of these issues that came up, whether it was the top one or, or, or the 10th the or, the, or the 20th, they're all important, but, you know, there are only so many that can be seen as critical, this snapshot, is, which is what it is. Um, because, you know, not everything can be a priority. So it, it, it's good, right. gives us some very good focus, a lot of meat, uh, meat to, to deal with, in-depth work that we're going to continue to do on these issues. Well, and it seems to me that these are the two um, top issues that create trust. Um, when the, your member companies and when your trade associations start to put out sustainability reports, um, I think it would be these two issues, the materials that go in and that sourcing and the safety of the materials that go into the products, and then the transparency of reporting on, um, you know, what you're doing that will create trust. And of course, anybody who's selling anything knows that that's the most important ingredient between um, producers and their consumers. And so that seems very smart to focus on those two issues. You, you mentioned two very important words. It, it is, it's about connecting. It, it's about uh, anticipating questions. It's about providing information. And it is about trust. Whether you're uh, an individual company that sells uh, a well-known brand or you're uh, a chemical company providing specific ingredients that contribute to the product safety and, and, and efficacy, or you're a fragrance company providing uh, a part of a product that pleases a lot of consumers. Trust is very important throughout this, as we call it, the value chain within the industry because it's all connected. It all leads to the production of products that help enhance health and the quality of life. So connecting and, and the trust element are, are very critical issues. We want to be seen as a credible organization you know, to our stakeholders on behalf of the industry and certainly the individual companies to their customers and, and those who regulate them also want to be seen as, as 
trusted individual companies. So it all connects, and that's why we produce these reports, and we want to hopefully continue to evolve them in the years to come. Well, I think that's an incredibly smart approach. Alec, I noticed that there were some issues in the report that were where the internal and the external stakeholders were a little bit out of sync. Um, there were some issues that were sort of a high priority for external stakeholders, but kind of a lower priority for industry insiders. And one example of that was human rights. What do you expect the industry to do with that information when you know external stakeholder groups are higher in terms of the priority they place on an issue that the industry itself didn't necessarily before this report place as a high priority. Talk to us about that issue. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And we often find that the top left-hand quadrant of the materiality matrix where, where you see those sort of discrepancies between internal and external views is really quite interesting because it begs the question, why are these issues important to our external stakeholders um, and, and to such a degree? And so the short answer to your question about how the industry, industry can respond to those topics is really to inquire. So a materiality assessment is a prioritization process. So if you're seeing that certain issues are low concern by internal and external consensus, you might be safe continuing to handle them the way you have handled them you know, historically. But it's a different story with an issue like human rights in, in this particular case, um, and there are a few courses of action that can be taken. Um, on ACI's front, taking a 30,000-foot you know, industry-level perspective um, at, at the different value chain stages and where these sort of disconnecting issues played out um, is, is a really key exercise. So topics like child labor, fair working conditions, forced labor, uh, indigenous rights, privacy and freedom of expression, these are all topics within the human rights category but not all stages of the cleaning industry value chain are going to have the same degree of exposure to these issues. So ACI can, can look at the, the, the more specific results of the analysis, the stage-specific results of the analysis, and determine if there are really just a few companies that maybe need to be brought up to speed on how they're managing certain human rights issues or even their exposures to certain human rights issues or whether it's a more pervasive issue in particular areas. As for individual companies looking at these sort of results, it's more a matter of looking at their own understanding of the issues that show up in that category, their management systems, and their own risk exposures. So a U.S.-based formulator of cleaning products might say, hey, we don't employ any children. We have a really comprehensive workplace, workplace health, health and safety program. Uh, but then looking at the cleaning product-related materials that they source, they might realize that some of those human rights issues exist further down their supply chains. So, for instance, what kind of agricultural commodities go into their products? Where are they produced? What are the work conditions like in those regions? And, you know, are they sourcing commodities that can be certified as environmentally or socially responsible through a meaningful certification scheme? So the, the short answer is really to inquire, to, to dig into uh, what sort of visibility you have into those issues, um, to engage some of your stakeholders who may have concerns around those topics, and to see how capable you are of managing those issues and, and measuring them and reporting on them transparently. Mm-hmm. And I think just giving the industry that piece of information, each company can take it and do what they wish but with it. But I think the part that I really liked about your analysis is that ACI can serve its members by determining at what point in the, the value chain those issues are 
um, well, the, the biggest vulnerability, the biggest risk for the companies involved in that particular area of the value chain. So I think that's, again, a very, very smart approach. Brian, conversely, there were some issues that were a high priority for internal stakeholders, but not so important to industry outsiders. And one example of that was innovation and technology. Um, do you expect this to shape strategic focus for your member companies? What will they do with that type of information? You know what, over the next year, we're going to be talking in depth uh, with our member companies, obviously, about these results and and address how we're dealing with these issues as an industry organization and and explore whether we need to do more in some areas or perhaps better explain what we're already doing. We're also going to take these results and then discuss them at length, one-on-one with some of the external groups, get some in-depth feedback from them, and then also assess how we may need to fine-tune or strengthen our programs. So that there's, again, there's a lot of information there, but, uh, you know, the the understanding, it's an education for us, too. It's the validation in some way on some topics. And um, through our, you know, internal processes, you know, be able to do a deeper dive and to see, you know, what else we may need to do on, on some of these top issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Alec, since 2009, ACI has been tracking four performance areas to measure the industry's progress and sustainability. They've been measuring energy, climate, water, and waste. But in this report, only climate and water made it to the material or highest priority section of the report. Energy and waste ended up in a lower category uh, that you labeled priority. Do you think that um, this will result in any change? Are you recommending any change in the way that ACI um, measures its its uh, progress and sustainability and upcoming sustainability reports? Sure. Um, so I would start off by saying that a materiality assessment is always a snapshot in time. It's dynamic, it's fluid, and over time, the positions of the issues on the matrix will shift and in some cases even reverse as some issues become better managed and others are still in need uh, of being addressed. So it's a matter of, you know, what do we most need to be addressing next, not what is most important for us forever. And so I can't, while I can't say specifically how we would advise ACI on its metrics program, I can say that part of the reason that energy and water uh, might not all be all the way in the top right-hand corner of the matrix in the highest priority section is because those issues might be better in hand in the cleaning industry than in some others. I would imagine that external stakeholders looking at an industry that has no disclosure or no sort of metrics program focused on uh, things like energy and water would be demanding more transparency and information uh, than in the case of the cleaning industry where ACI has had its metrics program in place for a number of years. So, you know, on, on one hand, I would say that the importance of those issues is not diminished just because they're not the most pressing at this particular moment. Um, I would say that long-term um, data on those metrics is extremely valuable, so especially as you're trying to track industry-wide performance over time. Um, but none of that is to say that the results of this analysis can't influence what ACI might prioritize next in terms of new metrics that it might try to t- uh, track at the industry level. Mm-hmm. We've got to take a quick commercial 
break. But when we come back, Brian, I want you to opine on that. I'd like to hear what you have to say about um, whether or not this report will shape the way that you track sustainability progress in the future. So we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. In case you're just joining us, let me catch you up on what we're doing today. Our topic today is a brand new report that the American Cleaning Institute has just published. Um, They do sustainability reports every other year. They've been doing that since 2009, but this year they did something really unique. They created an industry-wide materiality assessment. And what that means is that they didn't just take a snapshot of um, what the most important sustainability issues are to a singular company, which is typically how materiality assessments are done. They did that for the entire cleaning uh, value chain. And that goes for everybody from the people who are creating the chemicals to the fragrances to the packaging and, and to the actual cleaning products themselves and doing a an assessment of what issues are most important to the industry insiders, what issues are most important to external stakeholder groups, and doing a comparison between the two to see what issues 
kind of bubble up to the top as the most important um, for the industry itself. Brian, just before the break, um, we were talking about um, the fact that you guys have been tracking energy, climate, water, and waste since 2009 um, as performance metrics as to how sustainable the industry is and and some of the progress it's making in those four areas. And I mentioned before we went on break that uh, climate and water were the only two of those four issues that kind of bubbled to the top in the highest section of priority of the report. Is that going to change the way that you measure sustainability going forward? Um, will you continue to use those four pillars or do you expect to tweak that at all based on this report? Well, I would say the, the four pillars will, will, will certainly remain because that, that's kind of a, a hallmark of what companies have been, individual companies have been measuring um, for a long time. Those are, those are pretty standard elements. I think as, as we talk with our, our member companies, um, we are looking, we will look at ways to see what else we can reasonably measure going forward. You know, all of this data that you see in there, it's from a group of participating companies within our membership that it's related to either the production of cleaning products or uh, chemicals that go into uh, the cleaning product supply chain, and it's aggregated very in, in, in depth. So we're trying uh, to, to figure out, you know, what other areas make sense based on companies' ability to, to again, measure out oh, what goes into cleaning product uh, supplies and manufacturing uh, and, and see where else, how else we can expand our metrics reporting, which we do every year, uh, and then how we might incorporate that. So it's a very complex process, but it's, again, something we've been thinking about is what else can we reasonably measure as far as our uh, transparency communications going forward. Well, and in speaking about measuring things, Alec, I know that you've done a lot of work with ESG reporting, and that's um, environmental, social, and government governance reporting that's becoming very much in vogue um, for a number of um, stock indices. There are a number of like Bloomberg um, measuring ESG reporting and a lot of big companies are starting to voluntarily report on ESG metrics. How do the issues in the material section of the report that you just did align to the ESG reports that so many of ACI's member companies are filing? Are these going to be um, in in parallel to uh, to the ESG reporting, or is this going to be, or are these issues that you've identified in the materiality assessment very separate from a typical ESG report? Sure. So I would start off by saying that um, ACI member companies are very diverse and they represent more than just the cleaning products industry, of course. And so the issues that show up um, in the materiality assessment, uh, many of those are present in companies' individual sustainability reports. I think there are about 40 companies on ACI's uh, membership that do produce sustainability reports. Um, but really depending on which value chain stage they represent, their particular issues could vary pretty drastically. And so this assessment is definitely not meant to um, replace any sort of company-specific uh, assessments that have been conducted. Rather, this is the 30,000-foot view of the issues that were most prevalent across the entire industry. Um, and these are really the issues that allow an organization like ACI to try and facilitate collective action among its members and, and, and so forth. Um, that said, companies 
in the cleaning industry to the degree that they're playing a significant role in the cleaning industry should certainly take heed of the issues that came out um, on the top of this analysis to understand how they specifically might have a role or might have an impact um, around those particular topics. So I wouldn't gotcha. say that there is you know, direct alignment or misalignment. It, it really depends on where the companies fall on the value chain uh, stage. I've gotcha. Now, Brian, the report shows that 87% of the energy consumed by the companies that participated in the data collection for the report um, came from natural gas. And I was curious, was that an intentional move on the part of some of these companies to move to natural gas? Or was that merely the fuel of choice by the local utilities that are providing energy for these companies' plants? You know, we've been uh, collecting metrics around energy consumption since 2008. Our historical data, Jill, has shown uh, a similar energy profile as was reported in the report with natural gas being the leading source of direct energy consumption, which really makes sense given the economically preferable price of natural gas over the last couple of years. Um, Electricity provided by utility is and, and has been the second leading source of energy consumption by the industry, and uh, companies would have less control over the energy profile. I think what's been interesting, though, in the last few years is the increasing use of renewable energy to supplement natural, ga- natural gas or, or grid electricity. Um, that I mean, the total capacity is still small, but it's growing rapidly. And, I would, and when we're thinking that in, in, in the coming years as we assess this, that that's going to grow, and uh, and I think as, as that supply, greater supply of renewable energy is available, companies are going to take advantage of that. That's incredibly smart. I mean, we know that you know all the fossil fuels. We call them fossil fuels for a reason. They're finite. They won't last forever. And so I think you know companies that you know want to be around a hundred years from now are really taking a look at what's a stable source of of electricity, which of course they need. Um, it's something they can control. You know, when Hurricane Sandy hit and a lot of the highly centralized electricity sources were down, it was the companies and the homes and the um, local agencies that had distributed um, energy production, by and large in the form of renewable energy sources, um, that stayed up and going and stayed lit and warm and all of that. And so I think that's an incredible incredibly smart move. Um, Alec, I was wondering, you know, when you talk about the fact that climate uh, was a big material uh, issue that was uh, illuminated in the report, what are the biggest contributing factors to the industry's impact on climate? Sure. Uh, I would first say that there are some that are better known and some that are lesser known. Um, so, for instance, you know, looking all the way at the beginning of the, uh, the cleaning industry value chain, um, insofar as there are agricultural commodities that are, that are part of the mix, um, you know, what's the amount of deforestation that might take place in the production of certain types of agricultural commodities? Or is that taking place um, for, uh, in the cleaning industry to, to a great extent, right? As far as the known impacts are, are concerned, um, certainly greenhouse gas emissions are con- contributing to climate change. And from the metrics that ACI has collected in the past, we know that the chemical processing stage uh, takes a significant amount of energy in the form of natural gas. Um, but there's also a significant amount of energy required when a consumer uses some of the end cleaning products like laundry detergent or dish soap. 
um, especially if they're uh, running their laundry with hot water. And so that, of course, depends on the, the mix of sources that are feeding their local grid, wherever their house is located. And so things like that are, are a little bit uh, more difficult or a lot more difficult to pinpoint um, and, and certainly things that um, ACI is able to look into um, moving forward. But, uh, you know, as far as we know, um, natural gas usage in the chemical processing stage uh, does have a pretty significant amount of energy usage associated with it. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, Brian, the report outlines significant accomplishments within the industry on water issues. And I'd like to, for you to talk to us about those improvements um, and what was achieved. I know there's some really good uh, data in the report on water. So help us understand what the industry has done in that area. Well, you know, for a n- number of years in the uh, sustainability space, uh, water has been one of the most talked about uh, issues, uh, and and, and uh, rightly rightly so. Um, you know, we've been specific focuses focus on the need to conserve, especially in water stressed regions, certainly like California, as water availability is a is a geographically dependent issue. You know, our companies have taken on the challenge of reducing water use uh, in many different ways: uh, uh, operational efficiency during production removing or reducing the amount of water in the products that they make, using recycled or gray water. And a great number of companies in our industry have even set strict time-bound goals for reducing total water use and focusing efforts on water-stressed regions. They realize uh, that you know, water is, is often a critical component to their manufacturing processes or to uh, their particular products. So it has become, I say, a vital uh, strategic planning issue, a financial issue, a literal resource issue. So you know, we're, we're, we're proud of, of the efforts that have been you know, undertaken the last few years. We think it will continue to be a challenge. But, again, I, I think we'll, we'll continue to see um, you know, innovations uh, in, in how uh, not just uh, the cleaning products industry and other industries uh, are able to uh, uh, conserve water, use water, recycle water uh, in the manufacturing processes. Well, and I love to hear that on the on the front end, the manufacturing side and the way even, you know, we're seeing companies like Pepsi and Coca-Cola that are very water intensive doing a lot on the on the manufacturing side to reduce their water consumption. But, you know, ACI represents companies. Companies whose products also wash down the drain through laundry soaps and dishwashing soaps. And I know that a lot of the individual companies have been doing a lot to remove, you know, things that they don't want washing down this drain. I just saw, and it might have even been on your website, you know, that some of the companies were voluntarily removing phosphates and things like that from their products. What are some of the goals that your individual companies are setting for the back end, you know, when the cleaning product cleans whatever it is it's going to clean and then washes into the wastewater system of the community. What are some goals that you're seeing pop up around that issue of water? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and we reported on, report on it in, uh, in another section of our sustainability report. Um, there's an immense amount of research and, and testing that goes into uh, products and product ingredients uh, before the products ever hit the shelves. And uh, uh, our organization, our industry, have for decades uh, supported, funded, uh, reviewed research 
on the, the environmental safety of cleaning product and detergent ingredients and to ensure that they safely go down the drain or biodegrade because that's, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and we're, we're proud to say, even, even based on, on there's a recent review article that, that, that we uh, uh, co-authored that really looked at the, the environmental safety of, say, uh, key detergent ingredients and looked over about 50 years' worth of studies. And, and the bottom line was it showed that, uh, that de- key detergent ingredients uh, are uh, safely going into our environment as they may go down the drain through the washer. And we continue to do that. Research, science-based research um, is really important, and that's been a hallmark of our industry for years. It's, a key, it's an important part of the reporting that we do in our sustainability report. Because, again, it goes back to uh, customer and consumer trust, and, and, and science policy should certainly govern us, our, our industry, and, and, that, and we need to showcase the product stewardship behind our products and our ingredients. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to put a little bug in your ear because uh, the nonprofit organization that I run, it's actually an environmental education program for schools called the Go Green Initiative, but one of my board members is affiliated with a company that runs the vast majority of wastewater treatment plants um, throughout North America. And what I love to see are industries like yours, like uh, pharmaceuticals, because we know that, you know, it's very possible for pharmaceuticals, uh, if they're flushed down the toilet to end up in our waterways, for companies like yours to be working or, you know, for trade associations like yours to be working in conjunction with wastewater treatment plants. So we know that you know, what's if it's being washed into the wastewater treatment system, uh, that those plants can handle um, what's coming in, whether it's, you know, chemicals from cleaning products or pharmaceuticals or what have you, so that there's a connection between um, the people who are creating things that might go into the wastewater and the people who treat the wastewater. And so I don't know if that's something that ACI or member companies have been doing, but if you need a hookup, I've got you covered. So, <laughs> well, great that you mentioned that. You know, we a lot of our the studies we've done over the years, we have certainly provided to uh, the operators and or the, the wastewater treatment com- uh, community. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, we we made public a tool our industry developed. It's called iStream, and and you're able to predict chemical concentrations um, of say cleaning product chemicals and h- how they will. Uh, go into the waterways. In fact, it's, it's not just the United States, but in parts of Canada now. So it's something, it's a resource that folks in that community and, and researchers and academics can use. We make this uh, available for free. It's, it's, it's on our, the science part of our website. That goes back to the, to the product stewardship, to the strong research and technology angle uh, to, again, to provide good information for for different communities, whether they be uh, experts or or policymakers, to show that we take that very seriously. I think that's fantastic, and I hope that our our listeners will check that out because that sounds like a fantastic resource. iStream is that what it's called? Yeah, iStream. It's I S T R E E M. And uh, if you go to cleaninginstitute.org/slash/science, you can find out about that and many of our other in-depth research and technology programs that we've had here for years. Fantastic. 
Now, Alec, for a sustainability report like the one we're discussing or even for an ESG report, um, do you recommend, maybe this is out of your company's purview, but do you feel more comfortable, I guess I should say, if companies have their data audited by third parties to verify any improvements or accomplishments in the sustainability arena that will be shared publicly? Yeah, so I would say that assurance presents a number of potential benefits and opportunities and a couple of challenges. Um, on, the, on the positive side, assurance definitely lends itself to you know, the credibility of the information that is reported. Um, and certainly the process of engaging with an assurance provider will, in many cases, lead to more robust internal data and reporting systems, which is really key because that ultimately decreases the risk of omissions and misstatements in data that does go out uh, publicly and um, even further down the line, um, ideally in, in some cases would cut down on restatements that would need to be made. Um, I would also say that in cases where regulations are starting to catch up with best practices, particularly around topics like greenhouse gas emissions and waste and water stewardship, it's important for companies' related metrics to be fair, verifiable, um, or at least it will be in the future. Um, I would also say that verification um, or assurance of data has symbolic value. Um, really, it's the company saying, hey, you know, we're reporting this. We care about this. This is important to us. Um, so, you know, for ourselves and our external stakeholders, we, we had it assured. Um, the cons are really only a couple. We hear time and time again from some of our clients, especially our smaller clients, that the cost um, is a barrier to entry. Um, and then generally just companies' readiness to engage in insurance, you know, if their own data collection systems aren't as robust as they could be, um, where they're still working on, working on it, working it out, that, that's a challenge. And then in some cases, like in ACI's case with its report, just the complexity of, ins- of assuring information that's coming from a number of individual company sources, which themselves might not be assured, is, is obviously a challenge. Yeah, I can see that. But that's something that, you know, we don't let the the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, we're getting there. And everybody recognizes that this is a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, But moving in that direction of of ensuring, and again, this goes back to the trust issue of making sure that 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 data is verifiable, I think, is is a great goal, even if we're not perfectly there at the present time. You know, Brian, I have a quick question because in looking at the solid waste section of the report, I wasn't sure if the data reflected only the solid waste generated up to the point of delivery of the products to customers or if it also takes into account the end-of-life packaging waste once consumers have finished using the products. Uh, The data in the report takes into account the waste generated during production of Mm -hmm. uh, cleaning products. Post-consumer waste is not included. That is certainly a huge uh, data point that, you know, we're we're currently not equipped to uh, include. You know, it's something, you know, to to consider, to to look at, you know, perhaps uh, down the road. And and certainly our, our industry encourages um, you know, consumer uh, recycling um, and community re- recycling efforts, that's, that's very important. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an important data point. I think what we're able to look at right now is what we can, what our companies can control, you know, within their own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know that product stewardship is becoming all the rage, and you know there are a lot of organizations, both at the state and the national level, that are encouraging companies um, to adopt 
you know, kind of a you make it, you take it back kind of philosophy. That's pretty tough if you're creating Tide laundry detergent to take back all of those, you know, containers. So that's, you know, not what I'm suggesting. But, of course, um, you know, I know that a lot of the companies that are members of ACI probably would cringe to see their recyclable packaging in the landfill and so you know increased efforts to um you know to promote the proper end of life disposal of the packaging would be something that would be terrific you know brian in the final moments that we have left in the show i'd love for you to share a specific sustainability story from one of your member companies that best illustrates the progress that the industry is making in sustainability yeah and that's a great question and i think actually we can best spotlight a story that, that really involves, you know, our, our members working together with, uh, with us. Very quickly, um, part of it, it involves getting hygiene products to those who need them the most. Um, the American Cleaning Institute partners with Clean the World. They're a nonprofit group that collects discarded soaps and hygiene products from more than 4,000 hotels worldwide. Instead of those products being tossed in landfills, they are safely and sanitarily recycled, and then shared with families and communities in need to help prevent hygiene-related deaths. And all told, since 2009, Clean the World has distributed more than 25 million bars of soap in 99 countries. At our annual business meetings, our annual conventions, uh, our member companies rolled up their sleeves, put together more than 6,000 hygiene kits for families and communities in need in the U.S. It's a business meeting, but we think uh, giving back is a very important component. We also work with another group, Cleaning for a Reason. They provide the gift of free home cleanings uh, to women battling cancer. Again, we raise money for them at, at our convention. In the last two years alone, we've uh, worked, worked together with the group, donated more than $65,000 to this group. So, Cleaning products are being used for wonderful purposes, and and we look forward to expanding those in the years ahead. That's great. And it's been such a pleasure talking to both of you about um, how smart and how savvy the industry is being about really getting some great data around making substantive progress in sustainability. And it's just Terrific to hear what you're doing, and thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. To our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.